0: Crowley Show <laughs> on ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Breaking news The Steelers are listening to offers from Artavis Bryant. <gasps> What? I know. Martavis Bryant. I know. Offers? Offers. (gasps) They're listening? That is one of my favorite things during draft season or trade deadline or the off season. When you hear they're listening. Oh, so it means that they are answering their phone?
1: Give me a break. Yeah, what's it go like this? Like, hey, you. G- I'd like to talk to you about my Mar- No, 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 not listening. Not, not listening. Uh, not not listening. listening. Can't get mad. No. Not listening. Bah, bah, Can't bah, get mad. Bah, bah, not bah, bah, listening. Bah, bah, Can't get mad. Hear mops. Hear mops. I
0: don't know what you're supposed to do. God. The appropriate thing to report would be that teams are calling the Steelers about Martavis Bryant. It's the same thing. Oh, this team is interested in Le'Veon Bell. This team's interested in this guy. Well, of course they're interested in Le'Veon Bell. Have you watched the tape? Anyway, it's draft day. We're a couple of days away from none of this stuff mattering at all. All this nonsense is being thrown out into space. Joining us now to discuss is John Ledger, who covers the NFL draft for FanRag Sports. He is badass. He's a good dude. John, hello. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me
2: on. I appreciate it.
0: No, thank you. Are you excited to get past all the bogus reports that are out there right now and just sink your teeth into 8 o'clock tonight? when the Brownies are on the clock.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something I look forward to every year, obviously. You know, it's a culmination of a lot of muscle work and analysis and thoughts and, you know, hearing things. And who's right and who's wrong in the end. You know, I think that's what it's all about. But, you know, it's fun. We hear all the rumors and we, we, we chase these, you know, these kind of storylines that, that we're not really quite sure about. And, you know, he goes number one. That'll be one of them. The whole Josh Allen-Sam Darnold thing. And then ended up, you know, being fooled by it. But it's part of the fun, right?
0: Yeah, I suppose it is, and you have to deal with it more (laughs) than I do, so I will take your word for it. Before we get into the Steelers, or who could be sitting there at 28th in the draft, or if the Steelers would be willing to move up in the draft, or back in the draft, all that nonsense, quarterback, who are your top four guys? Who are the four that you say, in order, all right, this guy's going to clearly be better than this guy? Josh
2: Risen is my QB1, quarterback from UCLA, uh, Baker Mayfield number 2, Darnell, number three, and uh, number four for me is actually Lamar Jackson. I just think, yeah. So, you know, Josh Allen's a ways away. You know, he, he needs the right landing spot. He needs to be able to develop. Uh, you know, he doesn't, you know, everybody talks about him being smart off the field, and, but it just doesn't show on the field. He it, does decision making, his mental processing, the way that he sees coverages and pressure. You know, he's just, he's a very risky pick. There's almost no precedent. I think there really isn't a precedent for a player with his statistical profile or kind of analytical profile that. That does well in the NFL, and I'm not a huge numbers guy, but I certainly buy into all that. Especially when you put on the tape and you see, yeah, I mean, guys have a strong arm. We've seen so many guys with strong arms come and go. You know, that's that's the icing on the cake of a quarterback evaluation. You need you know the stuff that really matters: the consistency, the accuracy, the ball placement, decision making, mental processing, movement in the pocket under pressure. All of that. Uh, that's really where quarterbacks are won and lost. And, That's where I think Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald, to a degree, you know, an ascending prospect. I think uh, that didn't really get much better last year, but I think a lot of teams see has the potential to get a lot better in the NFL. Um, You know, I I get the promise and the intrigue with him. Uh, I would be excited about him if I were a team, but the landing spot's going to be big for him.
0: Does Sam Donald look like a guy who's going to get fat one day?
2: (laughs) A lot of people say that. A lot of people say he's a punchable face.
0: I don't
2: know why. I think it might be the fact he's, he's a little heavily jowled, right? He has a thick cheek, a high cheekbone.
0: Maybe that's why. It looks like a kind of face that if you punched, it wouldn't hurt your hand all that bad. Right, so maybe yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Unlike you, John, with your chiseled jawline. Uh, John Ledger joining us here, <laughs> <laughs> Fan rag Sports on the Crowley Show. Uh, John, who's the best prospect in this draft? And in fact, who are the top three for you?
2: My top three guys are Quentin Nelson, uh, Roquan Smith, and get ready for this one. Uh, Darius Geis is my number three overall.
0: Holy hell, is that yeah. a
2: take? Yes! Yeah. I have him over Saquon Barkley on my board. Um, you know, To me, when you evaluate running backs, you better have a guy that can do it all. And to me, Geis is that guy. You look at him as an inside runner, running against stack boxes, running with power, but also the instincts, the natural instincts. Put on the tape of this guy, he just finds crevices that aren't there. He is just so consistent. His vision, his feel for the game is so good. Barkley has more highlight reel runs. He also ran against much lighter boxes, which is totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But a lot of his runs and a lot of his big producing games, Iowa, for example, where he had like 220 yards, watch what he did in those games. He bounced the run outside, and if guys could not match him athletically, he gained a ton of yards, and, and that's how he got a lot of his production. In the NFL, it's a lot harder to play out of structure that way. Stylistically, Barkley is kind of similar to Reggie Bush. The, the difference is he's way bigger. He's like 30 pounds bigger. Right. I wish Barkley ran like he was 30 pounds bigger. I still think that's something that can happen for him, but he just is not a physical running back. I think that that matters. I'm not saying he's soft. I just don't think that's his preferred style of play. This guy out people his entire life to learn to play a more nuanced way at a position that requires nuance in the NFL. You know, it, it requires something. You have to change your style of play. That's not easy to do. As a as a receiver, as a guy who gets outside, as a guy who can flex and do all kinds of things like that, is a perfect fit for today's NFL. But there comes a time where if you take a running back in the top ten, you want that guy to be able to carry your team 20, 25 times a game. And you want him to be able to do this kind of thing. Is that Barkley? Can he run inside to that degree? That's where I would have questions about him. I love him as a prospect. I just think the whole generational best back ever, your know, type of conversation is just out of control. And to me, I think Geis would end up being a better pro.
0: My God, that is excellent. I love it. We're saving that tape, John. And <laughs> when Saquon Barkley's bust is in can, I'm just kidding. I, hell if I know. I mean, I don't know who's going to be better. That's why I have you on. Uh, I mean, he's seventh on my board, so I still like him. <laughs> I just
2: would have yeah. trepidation about him in that way.
0: <laughs> Do you think Guys might be around when the Steelers pick at 28th? And if he was, would you take him?
2: Yes, yeah, so I'll drop some scoopage for you because you're my boy. Uh, you know, the Steelers' interest in Geist is very, very real. Uh, it's 100% not fake. I know, I, I think I first reported it, but um, a while back, when some people thought maybe it was smoke screen to leverage Bell and things like You know, I know, I don't think so. Oh, this team, I think he's the only running back they really consider. I just think they love him, and I don't think they care about, you know, the fact that there's, you know, immaturity. Maybe, but, hey, would you take a prospect? I mean, this guy doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't party. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He likes video games, you know, stuff like that. You know, I think that he can manage his time better, things like that. That's concerning for teams. But we're not talking about anything like major here. And so I think that that's maybe where the concern is with other teams. I don't think Pittsburgh will be scared of. If I had to venture a guess, and I, I have some level of information on this, obviously not to the level that people inside that room have, I would say that Derek guys is one of the highest players on the board. That doesn't mean necessarily that they'll take him if he's there, but I think they would feel very strongly about various guys if he were on the board. It would depend who else is there. I think Vander Esch is another guy that they really would like. I just don't think he gets there unless – I know the Steelers. Somebody said the other day, I forget who reported it, you probably know, but that they wouldn't be scared off by the net concerns with him. I think other teams maybe would be. Uh, we'll see what, to what level that affects his spot. But if that's not a concern of teams, he won't be there. So my guess is it comes down to Geis, Jesse Bates, Justin Reed, and Rashawn Evans for the Steelers at 28. Now, they could move. There's no question. I think down would probably be more likely than up, although I would love to see them move up. I just, you know, there's not a ton of precedent for it with them. Um, but I think that those will be the players that they entertain, and I, I really do think they know that there's not much chance of seeing guys again if they can. Philadelphia also loves them, you know, and this is even if he gets there, because Washington's been on them, and Seattle's been on them as well. So, But there's definite intrigue there with guys.
0: A couple of things there uh Dulac's the guy who reported on Van Der Esch and secondly I would never hang out with Darius Geist doesn't drink doesn't do drugs doesn't go out the guy (laughs) just plays video games I mean this guy I I, let keep Le'Veon Bell around forever that's the kind of guy I hang out with (laughs) Uh, John Ledger joining me here on the Crowley show of all those guys that you just mentioned that could be possibilities at 28 for the Steelers what's your best case and who's a guy that they might take that you'd be like oh god that sucks
2: Best case, I think, you know, in terms of for the team, immediate impact type of player who's going to matter in a position of need. To me, I think it's Justin Reed, the safety team in Stanford. I mean, this kid, terrific person, by the way, terrific interview, um, one of the smartest kids. He's actually, like, literally a genius, um, you know, computer coding, all that stuff. You know, he, he speaks several different languages, um, just an incredibly smart, well, well-spoken kid who loves the game, would sit with his coaches, you know, study as much as he possibly could for every opponent, uh, was kind of the quarterback of their defense, even as an underclassman, you know, communicated at a high level, played seven different spots on Stanford's defense, you know, both corners, uh, both safety spots nickel, dime, in the X position, which is like a linebacker spot. So, you know, versatile kid. He played a lot in the slot this past year at Stanford. But I think he has the traits to play single high where Mike Mitchell played as a free safety. And he did that a little bit too. The Notre Dame game Stanford played. He made a nice pass break up from a single high spot. Notre Dame didn't throw the ball very well this past year. But, you know, he was in good position. Looked good on that take. So, you know, I think that he's a guy that could project to that role. I would love to see Justin Reed in Pittsburgh. I would love to see Rashawn Evans in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's a hammer. I think he's good enough in coverage. He's not Brian Chazier in coverage, but he's good enough there. He could potentially replace Vince Williams if Vince doesn't play great this season. Uh, you know, he's the kind of mentality guy the Steelers would love to have. Super physical, very good run defender. Uh, so I think he would be great in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I don't know that out of those names anybody they could mess up with. The guy that I would be concerned about, i taken. The, the intrigue with Mason Rudolph is also very. Positive. Oh yeah, and, and if he's on the board, you know I know from talking to people in Rudolph's camp, they feel like the Steelers are one of the teams that really likes him. You know they feel like other teams do too. The Chargers are one, the Giants are one, potentially moving back in uh, to the first, but they think the Steelers really do enjoy Rudolph. Now the Steelers do tend to give off that vibe. Tomlin's very positive from talking to people. It seems like everybody always thinks the Steelers like their guy. They're obviously, there's some pr- level of priority here for Pittsburgh, but. I definitely think Rudolph would be a person of interest if the board was kind of depleted uh, at that point, and you know, Geiss was gone, and Evans and Van der Ash, and maybe Reed. You know, would they reach for Bates or they try and trade back? A lot of people have Bates in the second round, Um, so I think Rudolph could be could be an option for them. They could also you know dangle that spot and say, you know, if you want to get back into the first to get Rudolph, you know, Broncos or Giants or whoever doesn't take a quarterback you know early in the draft, if you want to get back into the first, here's the pick. You know, give us this, this, and this, and you can have your quarterback with a fifth year option. He's poundin' down, loadin' up and truckin' Are
1: we going to do what they say can't be done? Break Breaker one nine got a 20 on a road ranger in full colors, cuffing and stuffing guilties who are riding dirty in the granny side of 279 by McFright Road. Come on back. Flares are blaring, so check your tail and avoid that bail. 412-922-2874. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the bushes or a bear in the air? You give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. Keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. He's pounding down. John, what's
0: Cleveland going to do with the first and fourth, and what should they do with the first and fourth?
2: I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be – I'm still riding with Sam Darnold. I still am. I know there's a lot of Baker Mayfield information out there. I'm riding with Sam Donald. I do think Baker's 100% of the conversation. I think the conversation was much more Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield than it ever was uh, Sam Donald and Josh Allen, uh, which is to John Dorsey's credit. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be Donald. I think they have the plan in place. Bringing in quarterbacks for a guy who's a little less ready than Donald, but a guy who might they they think at least has a higher ceiling. But it you know, could easily be Banker, I could be wrong. At, at number four, if they don't get out of it, it's going to be Bradley Chubb. Uh, even if Barkley's on the board, I think they go Bradley Chubb. Um, I think they won. They, you know, they know the most two most important spots in the game: your defensive line uh, and being able to get after the quarterback and quarterback. You know, if you can't have a great quarterback, you better be able to affect the other team's quarterback. So. I think that's how they see it. You know, we're going to have Miles Garrett. We're going to have Bradley Chubb. We're going to have Emmanuel Ogba. They're really high on Larry Joby, the second-year player uh, from Charlotte, uh, which I think was a third-round pick last year. Um, and that's, they're going to roll with that crew, and they're going to say, we're going to get after your quarterback, and meantime we're going to develop ours, and that's how we're going to win football games. So I think if I'm guessing today that, that Darnold and Chubb are the picks.
0: John, really appreciate your time, man. You are kicking ass. I know it is a huge day for you, huge weekend for you. So continue to read your stuff, man. Really appreciate the time.
2: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you. There he goes. That is John Ledger from FanRag Sports. You can check him out on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. That guy just keeps growing. He does. He's cultivating sources. He's such a nice guy, too. He really is. He could bench press me and Brian and Tom, well, maybe not Tom,
1: all together. Yeah.
0: Oh, no. What happened?
1: He's firing shots at Tom.
0: That's man. a third weight joke I've made about yeah, Tom today. what's going on here, it is. Man. Yeah. Tom's not even that big of a guy. He's tall. He's big boned.
1: Wow. You're just beating on him to make yourself feel better. Is that what's going on I here? think it's
0: when I don't have a joke, I just revert to beat up on Tom mode. <laughs> it's not nice. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Tom.
1: That's right. You're just not that funny. It's okay.
0: I guess that's it. That's
1: it. I'm trying to compensate by pulling you down. Whatever you need to do. It's your show. So, I mean, that's what we're here for. Your you name to... is on the show. It yeah, is yeah, on the show. That's... You need to pull Tom down to get better ratings. Pull Tom down. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to bench press you, Tom.
0: Well, muscle weighs more than fat, so I wouldn't expect him to.
1: There's a joke there that I'm leaving alone. I didn't say anything. Good for you. You're working on things. I'm you're really better. working on yeah, things. Yeah, you're trying hard not to let that one in. After the Rosa Parks
0: joke went awry the other day.
1: No, the truth is Tom's been a really huge help to the show.
0: Large. Big. Boned. Help. You see, whenever we got rid of Joe, I thought we'd be trimming the fat, but oh, didn't wind up being the case. Nope. Mm-mm. You got one more? Yeah, if you can stomach it.
3: We get it. You want funds for a vacation without the frustration or the money for a wraparound porch without the runaround process. Whatever your plans, a home equity line of credit from First National Bank makes it easier with a simple application and some of the lowest rates around. So you get a great deal without the ordeal. Get started at your local First National Bank branch or visit us at fnb-online.com. Member FTIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number seven six six five two nine.
1: I think it's just been my own
0: battle with weight.
1: It's because it's getting warm out and you're like kind of seeing beach season coming up. And I'm not and you're I'm not, not there yet. There yet. Yeah. It's not there. See, you don't have to take Tom out for that, though. I don't. I mean, he's kind of big. I like
0: his body, though. The f- <laughs> Josh Joey joining us coming up in about 19 minutes here on The Crowley Show. We'll be joined by Hitchhiker Brewer coming up at 6 till 7 o'clock. Very excited about that. Sorry, I had pretzels stuck in my throat. Still stuck in my throat. I never eat during the show. I was doing it just to tick Tom off. He's always trying to eat, that guy, Tom. Anyway, before we get to the hockey talk and before we start slanging back beers in the final hour of the program, I gotta come to the defense of Josh Allen. And I can't believe I'm doing it, because this usually is not where I stand on these types of things. If you don't know what happened, Josh Allen, as a teenager, 16 years old, sent out some bad tweets using the N-word. Now... My untrained say saw that they were song lyrics. Now, there was one where he said, White ain't right, and that ain't right. You can't be saying that, man. But he was 16 years old. So first things first, never put anything in writing. My dad tells me all the time, never put anything in writing. If you're going to excoriate someone, do it to their face. If you're going to make fun of someone, do it to their face. Now, these aren't nice things to do, but if you're going to say something stupid... Make sure that you're not putting it in writing where it can totally come back and hit you in the face years later. Number two, I think it is wrong to judge people for past transgressions when they were in high school. It doesn't make what he did right. I don't support that whatsoever. I'm always Team Snowflake. I am always one of the offended and never one of the offenders. Always, 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 always. That is the side that I fall on. But I have to defend the young people here. I do. The criminal justice system doesn't try people as adults if they're under 18. There could be extenuating circumstances, sure. But if they're not going to, then why should the court of public opinion? Did he use the N-word? Yeah, that's bad. Uh, Don't do that. I don't. You don't. You shouldn't. He did. But he was also a kid. If a team wants to use that as a reason not to draft him, I would understand that because... You have to bring him into a locker room, and he's going to have to assimilate with a bunch of different cultures, and I get it. But screw Yahoo for making this a story. Kids do do stupid things. Kids say stupid things. And I think Josh Allen was being stupid more than he was being racist. I think this is born and bred of stupidity, and a kid who didn't know that he wasn't supposed to say what he was saying. To be a racist, you can do it accidentally. You can But I think more times than not, that racism is born from deep-seated bigotry and hatred in your heart. I get the sense that Josh Allen is not a deep-seated bigot. I get the sense that Josh Allen doesn't have that hatred in his heart. I think he was being a stupid kid, and he did it in a stupid fashion by being stupid and putting it on Twitter. Don't use the N-word if you're white. Don't. Don't put it in writing. He's learned his lesson. He's a kid. He was a kid. He was 16 years old. When I was 16, I once stole a shopping cart from CVS and rode it down my street. Statute of limitations probably covers me there, right? Then we set it on fire. There's a video on YouTube, and I haven't told Tom or Brian about this. I wonder if they'll find it at some point, of me, drunk as a skunk, Drinking lemonade out of a toilet so he could make it look like I was drinking urine. It was a dare. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I did stupid things as a kid. I once got high and then was sitting in the passenger seat of my friend's car. He was sober. And I threw a cheeseburger out the window at a stranger. It missed, thankfully. I was an idiot. I once encased myself in Jello in a bathtub because I said I could. I've jumped out of windows. I've driven not wearing a seatbelt. And gasp, ridden a bicycle without a helmet. Oh, the humanity. Now, obviously, these things pale in comparison to Josh Allen using the N-word. But it was all stupid. This guy's stupid. And if you don't want to draft him because he's stupid, I get it. But stupid and racist don't have to be the same thing. If you call someone racist, that sticks with him forever. If he's on the street corner yelling at people... If he's walking into homes and saying, you're a bleep, you're a bleep, you're a bleep, that's racism. If you want to be offended that he used the N-word, I totally understand. It's not my place to tell you that it's not offensive. But I'm also telling you that Josh Allen did that out of stupidity, not knowing it was wrong, more so than he did by having any hatred in his heart. Now, I wish you wouldn't judge me at my worst I wish you wouldn't judge me at my best, because real humanity comes somewhere in the middle. I'm guessing 99.9% of all kids under the age of 18 have done something stupid. Maybe many things. People grow up, they change. Now, if Josh Allen was on the street corner, like I said, you don't draft him. He'd probably wind up in prison someday. But he was acting all hard in high school on Twitter. Wow, he's got to be the only one. Shame on Yahoo for outing a dude's tweet six years after the fact, the day before the draft. The day that could be the best day of his life. Seriously, F that. What happened to journalism? That's what passes as journalism now? With social media, nothing is secret anymore. But why do credible news outlets feel like it's their responsibility to cover affairs and break stories of minors acting a fool? Same thing happened with Dante DiVincenzo. He's the guy who played for Villanova. Scored all those points, beat Michigan. Bunch of journalists dug up crap from when he was in high school, too. They made him answer for his past transgressions. He was a kid! It was a half decade ago! And now you've ruined the best day of his life for things he probably wishes he could take back and couldn't. Sean White seems like a douche. The lawsuit against him had been filed a year before the Olympics, yet people only reported about it after he won the gold medal. Again... I'm not necessarily defending all of these people, although it might seem like it. I'm defending vigilante journalists who have to play gotcha. Or I'm, I'm, I'm ripping vigilante journalists who are trying to play gotcha. And I think it's fundamentally wrong to rip a kid for something he did when he was 16 years old. I mean, there are exceptions. But more times than not, I don't think you should judge a child on what they said. Little Johnny and little Sally went to J school. They wanted to be muckrakers, but instead they got stuck doing sports, and they want to make a difference in the world, and they want to act all cool to their snowflake friends. Josh Allen was immature in high school. He made bad decisions, decisions that I don't condone. But I did things that I would tell myself if I could go back in time, hey, Crowley, don't do that in high school. We were all dumb. Let's move on four one two nine two 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 eight seven four tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley why the hell am I defending Josh Allen that's what I'm sitting yeah. here
1: thinking it's kind of the hell happened like honestly if you would have said hey this is a subject before the show and I'm gonna have a take but I'm not gonna tell you what it is this is the complete opposite of what I would have guessed I, I you know you're sjw man yeah I you're, was, like stand up I was ready to drag here, Josh Allen here's in. the thing guys yeah. here's the right? thing here's the thing
0: I don't think white guys get defended enough they're always the guys who are getting ripped
1: Oh my god. Wow.
0: They need more people in their corner. Obviously I'm joking. I don't know.
1: <laughs> are, you? are you? sure okay. about that? <laughs> nice disclaimer I had to make there. Sure me and Tom are <laughs> looking at each other like, is he being sarcastic? No, I'm
0: SJW. I'm social justice warrior. I don't know what happened. I woke up today, I was all pissed that people were trashing Josh Allen for something that happened six years ago. Uh, he's a kid.
1: An idiot. Dumbass, stupid kid. But he was a kid. I'll tell you one thing that'll come out of this. And this is this is absolutely put a lock on it. Throw your money this, down on wait it. A this second, is going to happen. Wait a
0: second. Wait a second. Are you breaking news today on the Crowley Show?
1: I am breaking news. Breaking That's news right I'm here on the news. show. Yes. Am, can I get something to uh, We interrupt our you. regularly
0: scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh.
1: This breaking news just in. Every agent in the NFL, NBA, and MLB will now have an official position added to their agency. Twitter scrubber. Oh, they will yeah. go through. Oh yeah, that's they a great take. A person will go through and scrub everything. Any transgression, anything bad, or that could be perceived as bad, is getting wiped off the permanent record. Guaranteed. I had to look at my Twitter
0: account whenever the Divincenzo thing happened, and I searched a few keywords.
1: <laughs> One started with a B. Yeah, you know, I just yeah, started typing these words in, and nothing came up. I'm a great guy. If I was young enough to have Twitter around when I was in high school. I'd be in jail right now. I honestly would be in jail for probably multiple violations. It would have taken me (laughs) a few times to get up to the point where I got the point. You know, oh, you can't do this? All right. Yeah, it would have been awful. So, I mean, I, I sympathize on one level, but you can't be stupid. The thing about our show that I think is great is that while we
0: are just three white dudes here talking, usually I feel like we've looked at every side of things. I didn't so much do that with Josh Allen just there. Because for whatever reason, I woke up this morning and was pissed that this 16-year-old kid at the time had his tweets read to the entire world uh, by some schlub in Yahoo. That being said, if you are offended by him using the N-word, my God, be offended. Jeez. I mean, <laughs> that is not my place to tell you. I think overarching, my point is, man, kids dumb. Yeah, They say some things that they wish they could take back. I had a fight with my wife. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> just You say things you don't want to say. They say things they don't want to say. And you can never take that back. If, if you have something that stings hard enough, oh, baby, you ain't, you ain't ever coming back from that psychologically. Yeah. I don't think I got to that point in the marriage. But you know what I'm saying. You say things. You raise your voice. You think, oh, man, I wish I didn't do that. But you can't take it back. Twitter is that in perpetuity. For all time, for everyone to see, your worst moments, if you're dumb and you're putting it out there on the internet, you're effed. You're screwed. And I believe in second chances. Now, Josh Allen could have grown a lot as a person since then. He also could not have. I don't know how diverse they are in Wyoming. Not very. But I didn't know anything about... I mean, let's be be totally real here. I had one black friend in high school. His name was Melvin. He was gay. So he like checked a couple boxes for me in terms in terms in terms of me you know be, having a diverse friend group right yeah, like
1: yeah you cover three bases for me thanks
0: but until I got to college I mean the most people that I black people that I was in a room with at one time was like one it was Melvin that's it that was Mount Lebanon I, so look I'm not saying I said those things because I absolutely 100 did not but. I became a totally different person when I went to college. Totally. In fact, if you just want to boil it down to sports, all I was was a total homer. And people listening might say, ah, nothing's changed. But I hadn't heard anybody have an Eagles perspective or a Capitals perspective or anything until I got to college. And then I really realized that not everyone looks at things through black and gold colored glasses. So the point being, don't use the N-word. Don't put things on the internet if you have, for a second, one thought that maybe I shouldn't. And third, man, kids are going to make mistakes. I think that's a pretty good order, too. Uh, Number one, don't use the N-word. Yeah, that's a good
1: number one. How about that? Up there, up at the top.
0: Corporate brother tweets, at underscore Adam Crowley, as a black dude living in the burg, I'm offended, but not as much as... His black offensive lineman. Hashtag run for your life. And and that okay, so that's legit though, right? That's legit though, right? If you're an offensive lineman and you're black and you're playing for this guy, you're having a conversation with him. Like, dude, what did you mean by this?
1: Yeah, you have to, right? You do. You gotta I mean, you gotta rib him a lot for it, especially at the beginning. You know, you gotta you gotta get that on the table like, hey, dude, that was not right, and you're gonna catch a little crap for yes. it. Yes. Absolutely. And if you're
0: Josh Allen you gotta walk into your locker room and be like, guys, I was dumb and I was sixteen and I would never think about saying or thinking those things in a million years. That's what you gotta do. Here's the other interesting thing for me. Josh Allen's gonna get picked in the top fifteen this year. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's not gonna be playing football.
1: That's I was just thinking that. Colin one. Kaepernick
0: yeah. kneels during the national anthem. Josh Allen tweets the N-word and says White is right. And he's going to be leading someone onto the field on Sundays. This league's a joke.
1: It's crazy, man. So many different standards going on at once. It's Ugh. Not even a double standard. No, it's like a quadruple, whatever quintuplet, whatever the hell. Wow, it is. it's a lot. how many more you got? Sextuplet? What's after that? Sextuplets? Sace? Uh, octuplet? Oct- octuplet? I don't know. Yeah, octuplet. Ten tuplet. Quintuplet. Eleven tuplet. Yeah, whatever talk. whatever the word is, there's a lot of damn standards in the NFL, a lot of and they standards. play every one of them. Coming up
0: next, hockey talk with Josh Yowie. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. If you have hate in your heart later now. that, James tweets at underscore Adam Crowley sesquintuplets.
1: Sesqu sesquin tuplets.
0: Yeah, I don't know what you said, but he said sesquintuplets. I can't even say that. Sesquintuplets. It's a dangerous word to say, too, I think. What's it mean? I don't know. I Googled it. It's not a real word. God only knows. In fact, it's probably something that Josh Allen would tweet and then get in trouble for it six years later. Josh Yoey of The Athletic joins us now to talk a little Penguins hockey. Pens, caps, tonight, seven I'm going to speed the hell out of here to try to get in front of my TV to be able to watch it. Josh, you are in our nation's capital. How you doing?
3: I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the whole sex tuplet thing, actually. I'm distracted now, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, I don't even know how we got onto that. But well, here we are, and we've now we've learned like to work. Brother,
3: you got sex
1: tuplets, you know, We were talking about standards.
0: Oh, that's right. The NFL doesn't have a double standard. They've got, like, Send send sextuplets. Yeah, I can't even say it, for the <laughs> love of God. Uh, Yoey, the Penguins don't have a full lineup tonight. No Evgeny Malkin, of course. No Carl Haglin. Uh, how soon do you expect either of them back? And who's got a better team when those two are missing? Because I think the Capitals lineup's better than the Penguins tonight.
3: Yeah, I do too. Um, I'll go back to your first question first. Uh, I expect Gino Malkin to play Sunday in Game 2. Uh, I don't know that for certain, of course, but just watching him skate today, he skated yesterday. I don't think they would have brought him on this trip if they didn't intend on him playing. And so I, I think if I had to guess, we will see him in Game 2, which is obviously a big deal. We know Hagelin's out for the first two games. I believe Hagelin has a concussion. So that being the case, you know, it's tough to say exactly when he will be back. But with Malkin out. Yes, of course it's Advantage Capitals on paper. It absolutely is. Um, But it's also, I think, psychologically interesting for Game 1. If the Penguins lose tonight without Malkin, it's no big deal for them. If the Capitals lose tonight with Malkin out of the lineup (laughs) with the game in Washington, to me, that's a huge deal for them. So this is a much bigger game for Washington tonight, I believe.
0: Well, let's examine that a little bit, because I know the narrative nationally seems to be, oh, there's not going to be as much pressure on the Capitals this year, because... They don't have quite as good of a roster as they've had the last two years. Uh, they're not the behemoth that we've seen, but I think internally the pressure's still on them. And if the Penguins can find a way to win one of these first two in Washington, then I do think that that starts to weigh on them.
3: Well, of course it does. Uh, yes, that is the narrative. The uh, you know they, they lost a lot of players last summer. They're not as good on paper. You know, the poor Capitals, woe is me. You know, maybe this is finally the year. And maybe it is. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Capitals win this series. I mean, I, I do think the Penguins are vulnerable in some ways, and Malkin is hurt, and the Capitals are a very good team still. So that's all true, but to, to suggest that there's no pressure on the Capitals really isn't true. If there's no pressure on anyone in a way, it's the Penguins. And they've won the last two Stanley Cups. Right. Um, their legacy is not on the line here. The Capitals' legacy, it seems like, is always on the line. When they're playing the penguins so of course there's still pressure on them although maybe not as much because i just think on paper they're not quite as good as they used to be
0: josh how do you view the performance of Braden holpe in the playoffs against the penguins the last two years
3: you know i never thought he was awful i thought he he was just okay and they needed him to play like a star in those playoff runs and he didn't uh, especially the one two years ago in 2016 well matt murray had barely played in the NHL, and he badly outplayed Holpe. and That's not to say Holtby was awful. I wouldn't say the Penguins have broken Holpi in the playoffs, maybe the way they had Bobrovsky or Lundqvist the last couple of years, but they got to him enough, and they've made him look ordinary. I think that's been the point, and right. if he continues to look ordinary against them, I don't think they can beat the Penguins. I think he clearly needs to outplay Murray to win this series.
0: How do you think Murray's game has started rounding into form? Do you think he's getting closer to that guy? Because he played better than he did in the regular season in that first series, but I don't think he was very good at all in the final game of the series.
3: And that's the issue. I I thought in the first five games he was really good. Even that game two loss when they got blown out and game game five when they lost, I I didn't think he was bad in those games, really. Uh, Game six, he was really bad, especially that fourth goal. When Mike Sullivan was very close to pulling him, uh, we from the press area in Philly, we could we could look down the runway toward the Penguins locker room, and we saw Casey just spit stretching and getting ready. So Sullivan even admitted after the game he was very close to yanking Murray. So yeah, it's tough to say what kind of form he will be in tonight. But you know the thing about him, he doesn't really jump off the page at you with his physical attributes. But especially for a 23 year old guy, Matt Murray has a mental toughness about him that is rare. I mean, it is. There's no question of he he has that ability to shrug off a bad outing and go go back out there and find himself. And you know, I suspect he will play well. But uh, yeah, his play, much like Holby's, is kind of a mystery her in this series.
0: Josh Showy, the Athletic, joining us here on the Crowley Show. How do you defend Ovechkin? And not on the power play because I mean it's it's almost indefensible. Uh, We can get into that in a moment, but five-on-five. Are you deploying Chris Letang against him as much as possible?
3: Yes, and I will tell you why. This isn't a knock on Ovechkin or Letang, who are both great players, but I don't think we would consider either of them real cerebral players. (laughs) Uh, Take take that however you will. They're both just awesome physical talents. And I think with Chris sometimes, and especially this year for whatever reason, we have seen him, you know, just make a lot of mental errors, a lot of blown assignments, a lot of just, you know, going to the wrong spots for curious reasons. In this series, you know, Mike Sullivan could pretty much say, Chris, you're on the ice every time number eight's on the ice for them, and you get in his face every time he has the puck because he's not looking to pass. And and the great thing about the matchup is Latang at this stage, to me, is a better skater than Ovechkin. I don't think Ovechkin is going to burn him one-on-one very often. So that lets Chris be really aggressive with him and just get right in his face and dare him to try to skate around him. Because that's not really Ovechkin's game. Obi just wants to shoot the puck and and Latang usually plays pretty well against him. And it's absolutely a matchup worth watching. The Penguins don't want Schultz out there against him, even though Schultz has been really good. But he's just not a real powerful guy, and I hope he's going to push him around a little bit. And you don't want your third pairing out there against him ever. No. So, yeah, it's Crystal Tang's show in this series, I think, to much extent.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And as for the power play, Josh, I mean, what do you do? I mean, is it all about zone entries and goaltending and it's a little bit of luck, I, I suppose?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a great power play. It really is. It should be even better than it's been this season performance-wise. Um, You know the drill. Nick Backstrom's going to set the table. And he's one of the best playmakers in hockey, and he's got three right-handed shots that can all absolutely blister the puck. It's not just Ovechkin, it's also T.J. Oshie and John Carlson. And it's a unique power play because you have so many right-handed guys taking one that you just don't see that very often. And they're all gifted goal scorers. Um, I will give you the obvious cliché, stay out of the box. Yeah. That will help. And they need to be aggressive with this group and not let them set up because when these guys get set up, much like the Penguins power play, when they get set up, you're kind of at their mercy to some extent and you're asking for trouble.
0: The T.J. Oshie line scares me too if I'm a Penguins fan, Josh. Uh, Nick Backstrom uh, has moved down to that line. He's been there this season. Uh, T.J. Oshie seriously nursing uh, an injury, but he's been really good. He was good in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's a hell of a lot to handle, and it seems like that's – the line that can monopolize the puck that can hem you in a little bit and i worry now without malkin being in there without Haglin and the penguins not having that second line that that might be the line that does damage if crosby's taking the brunt of the ovechkin minutes
3: yeah it might be and oce always plays well against the Penguins. always he has been a thorn on their side ever since he came to washington a couple of years ago Uh, Yeah, it's a concern, especially with Malton out of the lineup, like you said. I believe the Penguins want Crosby to go head-on-head with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. I think that that's ideally what they want. But yeah, that means it's probably up to Derek Broussard to to go head-to-head with Nick Backstrom, and it's not that Broussard can't, of course, but I do feel like Broussard needs to elevate his level of play a little bit. I don't think he's been as disappointing or as underwhelming as some people think since he's been acquired, but I don't think he's been a huge factor either, and this is one of the reasons that got him for moments like this. You know, Crosby or Malkin are going to get hurt at some point, and he's the kind of guy who can obviously slide in and fill those minutes, and uh, he's in the spotlight tonight, no question.
0: Last couple of things for Josh Joey here on the Crowley Show. How much do you like what that line's been able to do, the Broussard line? Because they haven't, well, aside from rust, been finishing, but I, I've seen Broussard grow. And you just alluded to that a little bit, but I, I thought Sherry had so many chances – uh, over the last couple of games of this series, he wasn't burying them, but I think that line's close to maybe doing something great.
3: Yeah, I can tell you. I think Mike Sullivan thinks he found something with that line, and I think he might be right. Um, there's just a lot of good ingredients there, and I think it was pretty clear to everyone that Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel didn't have a whole lot of chemistry. And that's okay. That's going to happen. And the good news is Phil Kessel plays really well with Riley Sheahan. So you're going to see them together. And I suspect when Gino comes back, you'll see him and Kessel together. That would make sense. But, yeah, even though there's been a lot of line shuffling with the injuries, uh, Mike Sullivan's not touching that Broussard line. And you could see the chemistry that was there. There's a little bit of everything. Broussard is such a gifted two-way player. Um, Sherry is highly skilled and fast. And, and Russ, you know, plays kind of a tough game for a smaller guy. and He brings the speed element, too. So there's a little bit of chemistry there, clearly. And one of those lines... You know, someone other than the Crosby line, especially with Malkin out, needs to contribute five-on-five, five, and that's probably the first place I would look on that line.
0: Josh, really appreciate your time. As always, man, have fun in the nation's capital. Enjoy some hockey, and we'll talk soon, I hope.
3: All right, buddy, you got it.
0: Take care. Josh Yoey of The Athletic. They're as good as it gets. I think Pittsburgh is just swimming with great hockey people. Mackey's great. Yoey's great. Metzer's great. I don't know about that Rossi guy. Who? Pittsburgh Hockey Now is doing a great job. There are so many great sites, so many great people who know the sport. I think Mike Persuda does a great job on the TV Morning Show. Madden's pretty good. I mean, I'm better, and what are you going to do? But I, I think this town has so many great hockey commentators that really you should all be smarter than you are. I don't understand how you can still not get the game.
1: And especially when you go to another market, there's a lot of dumb hockey content out there. The markets that aren't into it as much as they are here. Like it's funny, you get guys who are covering hockey who really shouldn't be covering hockey. No,
0: I was in Columbus a couple of years ago, and they—they're not there yet. They're—they're <laughs> they're still learning. They're—they're they're trying to develop some depth there, and they don't quite have it. Coming up next, Andy from Hitchhiker. He is the head brewer. We are fired up to drink some beer. It's drafts on draft day.
1: It was an accident, but it worked out real nice. It's a show. <laughs> Hi, Tom Baudet. If Motel 6 were an article of clothing, it would have to be a pair of jeans. Nothing that would bedazzle a fashionista, mind you. Just a comfortable American classic that would rather have more in the pockets than on them. That's Motel 6. Nothing fancy, just a clean, comfortable room for a great low price. And with the money you save, you can maybe get yourself a jean jacket, too. See you at the fashion show. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Do you guys really think I'm getting fat? I mean, a little. I don't know if you're getting. I think you've been there. Oh, no. Are you eating again? What? It's a nervous habit, Dude, you seriously, Uh, after being caught fat, you have a pack of crimpets. Really? What the hell is a crimpet? It's one of them little butterscotch things with the icing on it.